Welcome to episode number nine with Tina Conaderis. Hey, what's up? My name is Chuck Belden, and I found myself at 45 years old in a rough spot and totally lost on how to get out of it. I felt my life was on autopilot without any goals or direction, and I'd lost my sense of growth and progress. Uh, All at the same time, I lost a business. My best friend of almost 40 years died suddenly. I was in a really bad car wreck, totaling my car and injuring my back, and my 13-year-old dog died to top it all off. Now, some might call it a midlife crisis, but looking at it now, I like to call it a midlife wake-up. I woke up to my mortality, and I realized I've got a lot I still want to do while I'm here. I don't have all the answers, so I'm now on a mission to find great people to learn from. I want to know what they are doing to develop themselves personally and professionally, their views on relationship building and how to be of greater service to others, what they think of modern masculinity, their philosophies on life and parenting, health, fitness, longevity, legacy, and whatever else we get into. First, I believe we must wake up from our autopilot, and if you're now awake and wanting more, my wish is that this podcast gives you not just inspiration and motivation, but tangible steps on what to do next. The bottom line, I'm interested to learn what people do to build it better. All of it. I read a quote by Winston Churchill one time that said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I can't stop thinking about how true that is, but I'll take it a little further and say that, yes, we make a living by what we get, but we could make an even better living by giving more. Giving and serving others doesn't just affect our life independent of what we do for a living. They're connected. They're the same thing. You can't separate the two and say, uh, I'll give more in my personal life so I build a life, but when it comes to work, I'm going to be selfish AF and think that philosophy will work at all. You're nuts if you think that way. A few months ago at a real estate event, I was introduced to Tina Conaderis, a mortgage lender that some of my colleagues had done business with in the past. In just a matter of a few seconds, I instantly knew there was something different about her and something special. So much so that I reached back out after our first encounter and asked uh, her to be a guest on the podcast, and I knew there was some magic that she could share with all of us. Tina came from a humble upbringing in small town North Carolina all the way to the division president of Dash Home Loans, a mortgage lending company in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the road there was bumpy, challenging, and filled with hard work and determination. It wasn't handed to her by any stretch of the imagination. She's been on her own since 17 years old, building businesses, raising three kids, and designing the life she always dreamed of by focusing on honesty, integrity, service to others, authenticity, and real freaking hard work. When you pair a strong burning desire to help others with an inspiring work ethic, magic happens. And if there were a secret to success, it's right here. Hard work plus service to others equals all the stuff. After two decades in real estate, uh, she continues today building her business with honesty, integrity, and authenticity, and is always doing what is best for the client even when it doesn't serve her. And she's about to give us all a treat, so sit back and enjoy. I'm excited you're here with us. Let's do this.
Martina. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. How I'm excited to be here. Are you though? I am excited. Okay. I am. You know, maybe a little nervous, but excited nonetheless. Don't be nervous. It's just <laughs> us. We're just going to have a conversation. And um, I'm super grateful that you're here because um, we only met a short time ago. And um, I, I feel like we connected pretty quickly. And I saw, um, I saw something in you that I just wanted to talk more to talk more about. I just wanted to connect on another level. So I appreciate you coming and checking out the podcast. I yeah. know this is, um, um, you know, the first time we've done something like this. So I appreciate it. It's You are my first podcast ever. Oh, well, look at that. I know, right? Now I feel really special. <laughs> now I feel nervous. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I so wanted to put you on the hot seat. You put it back on me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fantastic. So this is the Build It Better podcast. Um, what that means is um, I have an interest in uh, improvement, self-improvement, personal development, professional development. Um, I had a awakening, if you will, earlier this year or last year, whenever that was, where I really ha- became much more focused on just improvement, on getting better, on not staying the same. And I got interested to know who else was on that journey, who else was focused on growth. Um, and so I started a podcast. I started a podcast to explore that and see where it goes and just really have different conversations with people that I think inspire me. Mm-hmm. And so here we are today. That's an honor. Well, that's great. And I mean it. And so that's why I asked you here is because I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit. But before we do, um, would you mind explaining or giving your background to our listeners and just saying a little about who you are, where you're from and sure. kind of what you do now? Tell us all the goods. Oh, I will. So I'm from Kernersville, which is a small, small little town between Winston-Salem and Greensboro. I grew up there. I moved here uh, to Raleigh when I was in college. So I lived in Kernersville pretty much my entire life. At 17, I moved out of my parents' house. I was a a senior in high school. I moved in with friends. It was a fairly crazy year. I had a, I have a stepfather who is a bipolar, bipolar schizophrenic. Oh, wow. So he's straight up crazy. Okay. So I've been on my own technically since I was a senior. Wow. My grandparents were awesome. They had saved enough money for me to go to college, not for the whole college, like at least a year or two. It was a lot cheaper back in the nineties. I remember. Um, and I had some scholarships. So as soon as I could, I got out of Kernersville. It was just way too small for me came here, went to NC State, and got this degree as a social worker because I felt like I wanted to make this really positive impact on the world. And I had a specialty in geriatrics. So I started working in nursing homes. I really liked old people. They were just sweet. I had the sweetest grandparents, so I'm sure that's where that came came from. from? Oh, I'm sure. My, My grandfather particularly was like the nicest man on the planet, and he loved me, and I loved him right back. Oh. So I started working as a social worker and realized at that point that you actually can't survive on the income that uh, a social worker is paid. Yeah. So I had two jobs at that point. I was basically a 50 hour a week social worker in a nursing home. And then I was probably a 40 hour a week waitress in a fine dining steakhouse. Okay. And when That's I was- a lot. I'm a worker. I hate to be bored. I can't sit still. I'm not a person that watches a lot of TV. I do read books, but um, it it was perfectly fine, those work hours. Plus, I was in my 20s, and I had tons of energy. Sure. So I did that for a while until 
someone came in my path and said, oh, you, uh, you should go interview with this guy. His name is Andy. He's in the mortgage business. I'm also, by the way, an overachiever, Chuck. I bought my first house at 23. Oh, yeah, you are. So I felt like, you know, I was this mature, responsible person. So this person said, oh, you should go interview with this guy. He's a top producer and he's looking for an assistant. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I know nothing about mortgage. I have one. I don't even know how I got one, honestly. <laughs> um, but I'll go interview with him. And I went into his office and I sat down and instantly, and I mean like instantly, we became like best friends. Really? And we have worked together and been best friends since then. And that was in early 2000. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Impressive. Okay. So, still, still working together. Yes. Wow. We're business partners. Okay. We own buildings together. We own a business together. Wow. We have the greatest friendship personally and professionally. Who was the person that said you needed to go work with him? He was this random real estate agent that was really loud. Um, he was from <laughs> really? New York. Really? A real estate agent? Loud? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, and from a, New York? Yes. Yeah, it's wow. a shocker. He, it's, he would come into the bar and like everyone had to listen to what he said. You know, he just was so in your face. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of thought he was obnoxious, mm. but I was, I needed to grow up at this point. I, I couldn't just keep waiting tables. And I think I, at that point, I pretty much realized that social work was not going to be my end game um, because I do like things and you can't afford anything when you're a social worker. So I got this job, I interviewed and I got hired. It was a little rockier than that though, because I had to go through a multi-interview process. Yeah. And Andy's boss, uh, the branch manager, had actually been the person that started my loan when I had gone to get my loan. You're kidding. And I didn't think that he would remember me. I fired him as my loan officer. And I didn't think he would remember me because I was a $100,000 small little piddly loan. So I go to interview with him. I've already you know, passed the test with Andy. And this guy's name is Scott. And I go to interview with, or excuse me, it's Alex. I go to interview with Alex and he said, so why did you fire me? No in kidding. In the first part of the interview, and it floored me. I'm like, ah. Oh. That's not how you want to start off an interview, is it? No, it was super awkward. <laughs> yeah. I somehow stumbled over my the reason, which was I didn't find him very responsive. <laughs> right. You didn't tell him? Oh, I did tell him. Oh, you him. did tell him. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people that's pretty bluntly honest. Good. Sometimes I have too much Southern in me, and I won't be that person, but my preference is to just... Really tell that. you what I think. Yeah. Maybe not to be harsh or mean, but sure. just to be honest. Yeah. I think honesty is the answer, and I think, I think people have a responsibility to um, accept that or not accept that in their own way. It doesn't. Nobody makes anybody feel any certain way. You can be honest. It's up to me with how I process that. You know, but when you're in the South, you're taught, especially as a girl, you're taught to put a smile on your face and just be sweet, and that's how you're supposed to be. So, I find. Like there's these two fighting sides to me that's like that Southern way of like, how's your meal? Oh, it's it's great. When meanwhile, it's like the nastiest food you've ever had right. versus, you know what? I should let you know this is not a good dish and here's why. Mm -hmm. It's like those two kind of. But who told you to be that way? Who tells people to be Southern? Where's that come from? I mean, my whole family yeah, was like, you never talk about what's really going on. You. It's very surface, you know, you, you always, no matter what the problems are, you just make it look to everyone else like everything's fine. You don't really feel that way though, or part of you doesn't feel that way? Well, I mean, it's something I always fight. Like yeah. it's ingrained in me sure. to be that yeah. way. But I, 
try my best, especially as I've gotten older. I really just try to be very authentic. Yeah. And, and am I always successful in that? No. But, but have I gotten a lot it. better in the last, especially in your 40s? You're like, you start, you stop caring as much about what other people kind of think or what other people's perceptions are. You just want to really be who you are. I love that. And I think that if we could help people care less about what other people think at any stage of life, happiness will just be so much more rampant. Just mm -hmm. people could be so much more happier if they can care less about what they think other people think about them. And the, the funny part of it, or the paradox maybe, is that very few people are thinking about other people because they're thinking about themselves. <laughs> I know, right? But we're all worried about it. I know. It's like when you get dressed, you're like putting your putting your outfit together and you're like, oh, like does this look good? No one really even cares about what your outfit looks like, right? You only care about what your outfit looks like. It's true, but you look very nice today. Well, thank you for you're, saying you're that. Welcome. I appreciate that. Do I look all right? You look great. Okay, I love okay. that shirt and I actually kind of want to get it for Jeff. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. I'll figure out you where I got it from. Give me the details. I'll, get, later. I'll give you the deets. That's right. So back to yeah. the guy interviewing you that you told was not very responsive. How did that go from there? Um, well, I got the job, so it must have so gone it went well. Pretty well. <laughs> Good. And it was there were a lot of people I think vying for the position, and it was a grunt job. I mean, I would get in sometime. I'm an early bird, so I get in sometime around seven seven thirty in the morning. I literally would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at my desk. Oh, wow. This was early 2000s. I mean, you loans were like throwing themselves at us. We were closing then. Andy, who was my direct boss, he was my mentor, myself, and then a lead assistant. I was like the loser low assistant. 30 units a month, just wow. his production. Um, and a lot of it was new construction, which, you know, has a lot more complications. But it was the most fun I'd ever had. So I'd get in around 7, 7.30. I'd go home around 9.30 or 10 with a stack of paperwork because nothing was uh, uploaded. It, there wasn't such a thing as uploading a document, really, at that point. It was all paper. And then I would go home and then I would watch TV in my bed and stack five, like loan files till 11.30 at night, do it over again the next day. And then Saturdays I would work maybe 8 to 5. And I had the most fun I've ever had. No it was kidding. wonderful. You love that. Yeah. Yeah. The apprenticeship was supposed to take about a year, and you really just learn soup to nuts, everything you need to know about mortgages. But um, I did it in about six months, and then I went out and started getting accounts. All right. Like, you know, the first couple uh, presentations I did were terrible, awful. I never want to have those experiences again. They were so bad. Um, but then I started actually looking and sounding somewhat professional mm -hmm. and I was pretty enthusiastic and eager. And so yeah, within like six months, I actually had a builder account, which usually that to get a builder account takes years mm -hmm. in this business. Um, and I had real estate agents that started to refer me. So I went from being like this really low person on the totem pole to I started out producing people that had been in the business for years. What do you think led to that? I mean, in six months, that's a short amount of time. How did you gain that that trust to have so many people referring you business that early in your career? I don't know if I can really pinpoint it. I know Andy was a really great teacher and he was really hard on me. He wasn't easy. He, he wasn't gentle. People today, like you have to watch everything you say because you might offend someone or maybe they're going to take... Uh, 
you to court because you said something that hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, it wasn't like that. You know, this is about 20 years ago. And he would get on me if I didn't study something. It, there was a lot of like onus on me to, to be knowledgeable. Um, and I was young and enthusiastic, you know, so I was going out and I was excited about it. And honestly, mortgage was really the first time that I felt like, oh my gosh, this is just a great fit for me. I loved the workload. I loved the challenge. It's like putting puzzles together. And then you wrap it all up in this package of like trying to help someone. And that was, you know, that's why I'd become a social worker to begin with, was just like, how can I help somebody? So this mortgage thing, I didn't even know that career existed, honestly. And then all of a sudden here I am and it's kind of scratched all those itches. So I think that when people met me, when an agent or a builder met me, they understood that. It was like they just instantly knew that I really did like what I did. Yeah, if you, if you go into social work, there's something in you that is about helping and serving others. And then if you go into something like mortgages, you don't lose that piece. You know, you bring that in yeah. and people, that doesn't go away. People can pick up on that. People can sense that. And when you're, when you're in it to serve and to help others, those are the, that's how you deepen those relationships. So I think you just probably had that innately. That's who you yeah. are. And people picked up on that. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely genuine. Yeah. Andy also taught me the very, like one of the very first lessons he taught me was you can't ever do anything for the commission check. The second you start doing something for the check, you've already lost at that point. That's great advice. Yeah, he was, he's, he's a wise fella. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy. So I, I took that to heart too. And it's something that I've always kind of embraced, which is you just always have to do the right thing for someone else because the second you stop, it, everything will start to crumble. But if you keep doing that, even if it doesn't benefit you, like even if a borrower comes to me and they lay out this scenario and I'm like, you know what, you'd really be better served going to state employees. They have a 100% program and even though it's an arm, you know, whatever the case may be, that's gonna be a better fit for you right now. I feel like that puts this great energy out into the universe and then it just comes right back to me. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. That is such a great philosophy and such a great way to live your life and build your business and people respect that and then they also know I mean it does come back to you if you if you if you're honest and you tell somebody that you're not the best fit mm -hmm. for them that sticks with them and they tell people that they're like this person was so truthful that yeah. they didn't take my business yeah I get that yeah I don't I, I've done it with refis like you don't need to refinance unfortunately there's a stigma in our industry of like a there's an association with like a lender being a dirty, like a used car salesman. Yeah. Same and with realtors. Are, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of our our colleagues that maybe don't take the best path for yeah. the person. I feel when I got into real estate, so I, I got my real estate license in 2008. And when I... It was got, a great time. It, yeah. <laughs> that's a good choice there, right? Chuck. Yeah. It, yeah, that's so funny because at, it's it's all I knew. You know, I didn't, I didn't know it was a it was going to be a bad time and mm -hmm. also i didn't i didn't let that affect my mindset mm -hmm. and looking in the moment i was like just because that's happening everywhere else i actually would say something along the lines like i'm not participating in the recession mm -hmm. i would tell myself that all the time and in my first year i was the rookie of the year in my company i had a great first year all things considering that it was 2008 but I was joining these networking groups as my real estate mentor at the time told me to do, like to get out and meet people. Sure. And they weren't, yeah, they were networking groups, but there was a lot of real estate agents in there. 
and every person I came across, and this was my first experience in real estate. I mean, I'd bought two homes. I had two subpar experiences, with, which made me believe I could do it better. Sure. Or at least do it. And so I get in these networking events and there are a number of real estate agents basically running around the meeting, throwing out business cards as fast as they can, mm -hmm. saying, want to buy a house, want to buy a house, want to buy a house. And I was so turned off by it. How could you not be? I didn't, I like, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so not <laughs> only am I starting a new business in the quote unquote worst time ever to start a real estate business, but I also took it upon myself to change the perception of real estate agents. And I said to myself, I will never do business like that. And everything mm -hmm. I do will combat that so that I can help change the, what I saw as the a stigma mm -hmm. for the whole industry. And you know, I, one person and one town and one country, but I, that was that was part of my vision was I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it differently. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Yeah, because I think we both have those those uh, that I would say mis misperception of us all being one way. But there are a lot of people that <laughs> there, there there's are. some truth behind it. Yeah, but I think that's why it's so important to just really make sure you always toe that honesty line because. You know, when I have a client that's referred to me and I speak to them and you can hear their hesitation and they're, they don't trust you immediately, you, you really have to overcome that. And then you hope that maybe it won't be, you know, maybe they'll refer you to other people. That'd be great. But also maybe that they can just lower down their guard mm -hmm. and you can have like a real conversation with them or a real relationship with them. That's it. Relationships are the key to everything. I believe relationships are the key. If we don't have relationships with people, if we don't have open and honest, if we're not authentic, mm -hmm. what do we have? The world's going away from relationships right now, which is so mm. interesting. And it's interesting for me because I am a relationship. I'm not transactional. I am more relationship oriented. And then you have, you know, the world has become FinTech or it look like Amazon, you know, you don't go to your local Ace Hardware and you don't know the guy behind the counter anymore. Yeah. So I, I like that I'm still going down that relationship path. I wonder what does life look like here in 50 years? True. Like, do you know anyone? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And I think that although I believe I, I'm, I'm with you on relationships kind of diminishing in value in many areas, I'm hopeful that that's not happening in real estate. I'm hopeful that even with these industry disruptors, if you will, and so much happening online that I believe that people still, maybe more than ever, want trust and want guidance mm -hmm. and need help with it. They may, they may start online, and I think the majority of people do, I mean, 99 out of 100 or whatever the numbers are, I don't even know what it is, but I believe they're going to need somebody in their corner. And so I believe that if we're still preaching authenticity and honesty and building relationships that hopefully that doesn't ever go away because because I think there's a lot of things that doing business online can help with but when it comes to real estate I still believe both on the lending side and on the agent side that that people need a, an advisor oh I completely agree I'm actually sometimes shocked at how ready people are to not think that they do and there's so many different hurdles on both sides of the transaction to get through Hmm. that's like would you just go trust someone that you've never seen to show you and sell you a house hmm. and you don't know anything about it I read a quote yesterday and I might 
mess up the numbers, but it was something along the lines of eight out of 10 people are still using a real estate agent for their transaction or would use a real estate agent for their transaction, but only one out of 10 are using that same person on their next transaction. So the, I might be botching how that was said, but basically oh, that's 80% of people using a real estate agent are yeah. only using that same real estate agent one out of 10 times the next time around. And so what's the, where's the relationship falling apart there? Yeah, so they didn't create a real relationship or they didn't stay in front of that's them. It. And that's hard, it's hard to, like life is pretty chaotic. Mm. I know you have little ones at home. Yeah. I have kids, like it's really hard to stay connected to a thousand people. And How do you do it? How well, do you do it? How do you build your business with focusing on relationships now with the amount of time you have and being yeah. busy and being a mom? And I'm lucky because I've been in it for so long now that I have relationships that span two decades. Um, and that's helpful. Um, we also have technology that helps with some of it. I'm not in the day-to-day -day actual production of the loan anymore, so I don't have the same customer interaction that I used mm -hmm. to. But honestly, I am always, I try to always be real and connected to people when I do meet with them. And I have this knack of being able to get people to relate to me pretty quickly. Jeff always jokes that every time we go somewhere, we just went and bought a car and um, he, he got up, we were with the, the car salesman, we were at the desk working on the paperwork. He went up to go use the restroom, he came right back. At that point I was like, oh, so he went to this school, he's got a kid here, this is what he does, and Jeff was like, how have you gotten that much information in such a short period of time? But it's fun for me to connect with people, I really like it. I can totally relate to that. Do you think, were you born with that or did you learn that? Oh, I learned it. I'm, when I was growing up, I was so quiet and all I did was read. I have no physical skill sets whatsoever. I'm the least coordinated person. And we were also- My wife would challenge that. Oh, we could have a contest. Okay. <laughs> she, she and I should have a contest. Um, we were really poor. So there was no money for like anything extracurricular. Uh, my grandparents had a farm and they had a library in the farm, uh, in the farmhouse. And so they would just let me pick whatever books I wanted. So. I just read all the time. So I was the quietest person. And if I ever had to have any interaction with people, I would freeze. I would get so nervous. I couldn't even speak to people. And then I think sometime around high school, college, I started to become a little bit more extroverted. But I, my friends joke because I always say that I am very introverted and they're like, there's no, you're not. But I really am. I would hmm. prefer like quieter. Yeah, I can relate. It's. There's, I think there's a balance. I, I have a hard time believing that people fall directly into one category and not the other. When I'm in my work mode or doing something like this, or if I'm, if I'm doing real estate and I'm in a networking event or whatever it is, I'm very extroverted mm -hmm. and I get energy from it, but for a short amount of time. When it's off, I could just as easily be at home, on the couch, in my pajamas, with my wife, yeah. watching a movie and be totally fine just chilling like that for a long time. Yes, I very much agree with yeah. that. So when it's on, it's on, yeah. but when it's off, it's, it's off. It's definitely off. That It's very similar for me too. I, when you were talking about, um, or when we were talking about learning those skills when you were bu buying the car and in the short amount of time that uh, Jeff was gone, you were able to develop this relationship, get all this backstory. 
I was able to do the same thing and my wife gives me a hard time about that. It's <laughs> yeah. the exact same thing as yeah. you were saying it. I was I can totally relate. But I learned it from my dad. My dad sold cars in a very small town. I grew up in a town of I mean not very small. It's I guess there's lots of small towns, but we had 30,000 people That's or something a in our town. town. Okay, it's pretty yeah. small. And but he knew everybody. Mm -hmm. He was born there, went to high school there, uh, went to college there, started working there sold cars, relationships, knew everybody. And I learned the power of that without him ever having to sit down and talk to me about it because I saw it firsthand. Every place we went, he knew everybody. And they mm -hmm. were like, hey, Charlie. And he would talk and he would know about their kids and what they were doing. And you just, I learned that just from watching it. And it, be, and it became just second nature for me. Yeah, it's a skill set. Yeah. It's a skill set. You have to be really paying attention to people and you can't be so... So self-involved as it. well. Yeah, you gotta pay attention to people. How often people aren't doing that, right? We're going through life with blinders on, head down, just getting through the day. Yeah. And if we come in contact with other people, it's what can we get out of them or just get out of my way kind of thing, I think often. Um, but when you sp slow down, spend the time to focus on the people, it's pretty magical what can happen. I have to give that advice to myself fairly frequently because I'm in, I feel like I'm in a hurry every, uh, everywhere, every day, everything. But I also read this thing that talked about um, giving out compliments to people every day and like really seeing someone, even if it's the cashier that's checking you out at the grocery store. Yeah. And if you just wanted to do one, one nice kind thing a day, what sort of impact would that have on the entire world? That's powerful. So, you know, you see a, a lady who has on a nice sweater or something, you know, oh, I really like your sweater. You have a lovely haircut. And then maybe they just feel good. And then maybe that positive energy just continues to kind of replicate. I really love that. And I think that would be a great action item to take away from this conversation today that I'm going to apply. Because I think so many people do go through day to day just not feeling seen. Mm -hmm. And if you could say one little thing, and totally change somebody's day. You might change their whole week, might change their whole month, might change their whole life. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. I love that. Yeah, you're welcome. So in real estate, 20 years now, 20 years plus in the almost. business. Almost, Not 20 plus. years. Okay. Yeah, don't almost, age me out too much. Almost 20 years yeah, in the business. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about new people getting into the business now, both in maybe the lending side or in the real estate sales side? You have any advice for any new people getting started now? Let's talk specifically in your industry, in the yeah. mortgage industry. Um, what sort of advice would you give somebody that came to you and said, you know, I'm really thinking about getting started in this career path. How would you mentor somebody? We actually mentor similarly to the way that I was mentored um, by Andy, which is kind of a, a soup to nuts start to finish. So. I think that people that get into our industry, both of our industries really, they need to understand that it's not a nine to five job or if they want it to be a nine to five job, they probably need to be in very specific entities like a, a big box bank or something like that. And in my field, you are on call seven days a week and you have to be okay with that. And I am okay with that. It's not ever really bothered me. Um, it has posed challenges as a mom, as a single mom particularly, but you know, you, you sort of learn how to, to weave in that motherhood and being connected to your children and still being a, a good employee. Um, but yeah, seven days a week, 365, 
Um, I think you have to learn how to be honest and tell people sometimes the news that they don't want to hear, but do it in a fashion that's compassionate and kind. You know, when I pull someone's credit and their credit is a train wreck, I never say, nope, and don't ever talk to them again. I say, you know what? Just because the answer is not yes today doesn't mean that the answer won't be yet yes in a year. So let's look at ways that you can improve this. So kind of going back to the not always doing something for the commission check either. If you're going to go into our industry, I think you need to go into it with the goal of really helping assist people. And if you go in it with that mindset, then I think everything else falls into place. I love that. When I coach new agents getting started in real estate, most people come into this business to, to make the money. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to, I want to associate that money with serving people and even more so the daily activities and the daily actions that lead to you servicing people because the money will come mm -hmm. if you don't spend all your time focusing on that and if you actually focus on what matters most which is taking care of people and one of if not the most emotional and and oh, sure. challenging times of their lives. How nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. I got a, I got a new house uh, I don't know gosh eight nine years ago and I remember being nervous when I was applying for the loan, and I do this for a living, and I knew I had good credit, and I knew I had my ratios were fine, and I knew I had money for down payment, and I was nervous. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why am I nervous? It's so interesting. And imagine someone else going through that process for the first time or the second time, and maybe they didn't have the most perfect credit, or they didn't have a lot of money, and they're just afraid of being judged. I think that's it's what a very it vulnerable is. spot to be oh, in. Oh, you're completely, especially on the lending side, like you guys. You get to walk the house with them and show them pretty properties. We are like, okay, you have to unveil all everything about you now, all the good, bad, and ugly. We're going to look at it and we're going to judge you based so true. on it. So true. Because so, they can hide a bit of it from the real estate agent with the lender. It's, oh yeah, we know it everything. all. Yeah, we know every bit. We know your social security number and we know everything that's on your credit and we know exactly what you make to the penny. That's it. It is very... Um, very telling. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. So we've got to be careful and we've got to take that seriously and we've got to hold that responsibility, you know, uh, carefully in our hands that we are in a position to really help people help. through a really tough spot. And so when we're helping bring new people up into this industry, because I believe it's a fantastic industry to be in on both sides, what you do, what I do, I believe it's a, there's nothing like it for what it can create and the mm -hmm. ability you get to, the involvement you get to be in in people's lives, but to take that seriously. And part of why I took so much on my own self, on my back when I started networking to change a, a misconception of, of real estate agents, or maybe there wasn't totally a misconception, but I believe that <laughs> we have a responsibility. Yeah, yeah, perception. I believe we have a responsibility to do that. And so I have to change the my own wording sometimes because instead of saying like, oh, I closed X number of loans, maybe it should be, I helped X number of families with home ownership. It changes it right there. Yeah, it changes the feeling. Just, yeah, if you just have a different kind of perspective of it. And if you look at historical wealth, the people who have wealth, I think 98% of them get some of their wealth through 
ownership of real estate in yes. some form or fashion. Maybe not just a primary residence, maybe it's a commercial property, but 98% of people get wealth through ownership. Yeah. So, so how can I help someone do that? You know? What do you think the next couple of years in real estate look like for first timers coming into the market for purchasing maybe their first home? I think it looks great. I had a, a call this past week where I spoke with a client. He said, well, I know that you have to have 20% down. And I was like, no, you don't. He's like, oh, I, I thought you did. I was like, no, absolutely not. And he goes, well, I know you have to be at your same job two years because I read that on the internet. And I was like, nope, nope, you don't. You have to have employment for two years in some form or fashion, but you don't have to be at the same job. And I thought, gosh, here we are, it's 2020, and people still have these like misconceptions about how they can own a home. Um, I think those misconceptions are still out there, but I hope that the word gets out to people that that's not the case. And I think that with really historical low rates, I think they're actually gonna go down a little bit more even this coming year, it being an election year and whatnot. I, I think that you'll still see a lot of growth. Good, I hope so. I do. What Everyone's you, talking about a recession. I think there's going to be a recession, but I don't think it's going to be such that it really knocks the wind out of people like 2000. I remember 2008. It was an unpleasant year, sure. to say the least. Sure. So yeah. maybe, you know, maybe I'm, you know, being new at, in 2008 and being totally, you know, green. I was, it was easier for me to not participate in the recession, which mm -hmm. when one happens again, I will also choose not to yes. participate in I'm it. I'm not gonna participate either. Good. I wonder how many other people we can help not participate in that because even in a down year, in a recession, especially for first time buyers, there's probably a lot of opportunity, wouldn't you think? Oh, I would think so. Yeah. And if you look at what the cost of rent is right now, it's astronomical and how, a mortgage could actually be less expensive than what someone pays in rent and you're building your own personal wealth at that point. Like how could that not be a good idea? Yeah, especially when you just said 98, 90% of people with money, it's coming from real property. A portion of it comes yeah. from owning something. How did, you, you mentioned parenting a little while ago, if I can kind of sidestep a bit because you know I can relate to that, mm -hmm. building businesses with small kids, I know how that goes. What were some of the challenges you faced when you were getting started or even now today when you are raising your children and being a, a business leader? So it was time when I had all of my kids a year apart. So I've, I gave birth to three. I now have six. Um, I inherited three. But all right. when I was a single mom, I had a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a five-year-old. And I worked somewhere between 70 and 80 hours a week. Um, and it was tough. Like it was tough. I really want to be a good mom and I love my kids more than anything on this planet. They are so awesome. So, uh, I had to have these moments of learning, honestly, like I had my son, his birthday is in May. And so we would always, I would always take him to the beach for Memorial day. Cause you know, we're kind of, you know, you get a little extra time, slow time there. And we were sitting on the beach and they were playing in the sand and I just wanted them to play and I was working. I had my laptop out and they were like, mom, mom, play with me. And I was like, can't you see that I'm working? And I remember this so distinctly because it really was like one of those like defining moments in my life. And I'm kind of like nagging them like, you guys, do you understand? Do you all like to eat? 
I like to eat. Do you know how we have food? We have food because mommy works and I'm going through this whole like diatribe with them and then my chair breaks and my butt falls through the bottom of the chair into the sand. My knees like fly up and for a second, my three kids and myself were all quiet and then we all, they're like, oh my gosh, is mom going to like get really angry right now? And then we all laughed and I put my computer away and said, you know, I can come back to this, but I have to be really connected to my kids. And it was, it was a defining moment in my life. Like I'm always going to work a lot. That is just in my nature, but I can do that and still be very connected to my little people. So I would just sequester time that was just their time. And I would not, um, I wouldn't, if I was with them, I was with them. I wasn't necessarily working and with them at the same time. Wow. I just, I felt that. I felt that emotion there. Oh my God, Chuck. It was so funny. Like it was like God was saying to me, Oh, really? Is that how you're going to be? That's exactly what was happening. <laughs> I'm going to rip the bottom of your chair out and let your butt. And it was a taller chair too. So when I say my knees like flew up, I mean, I literally was kind of crunched together. It was hilarious. I, we were talking off, uh, offline before we started and we were having some sharing some stories about how we can kind of connect the dots between how things have happened in our mm -hmm. lives and paying attention you seem to have had a lot of these moments oh, yeah. if you you know notice them how they've actually helped guide you exactly where you need to be um, that is an incredible story well it is a true story I remember exactly where I was sometimes I wonder do I have these like big moments in my life that are really uh, awe-inspiring or really make me aware. I'm like, gosh, is God just like really slapping the hell out of me to say like, wake up lady, you need to be paying attention right now. And I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> so, oh, this just hit me. So I have for a long time felt that uh, God, divine intervention, universe, whatever word makes people feel comfortable, it, it has been nudging me like, along the way. Mm -hmm. There's always a little nudge here and there. And sometimes we don't feel the nudge. Sometimes a little tap and sometimes you feel it and sometimes you don't. Your butt falling through the chair was a little bit more than a tap. Oh, it, it was like, like a shove. It was a shove. Yeah. Last year I was I was in a car wreck and I had been kind of on autopilot, not in the moment driving. That I didn't mean that, but my life was yeah. kind of like on autopilot. I needed a nudge. And I remember it's so crazy that as I was slowing down, I was on the highway. It was a 70 mile an hour highway. I came up to a traffic accident. There are lots of cars stopped. As I'm rolling up to it, and the second I come to a complete stop, I'm rear-ended behind, at, from behind at full speed. Oh gosh. The car behind me, um, we believe she was on her phone the whole time. She hit me at 60 plus miles an hour, nobody knows. Totaled my car, hurt my neck, hurt my back. Oh my. But the last thing that, I didn't, wasn't knocked out, but the last thing I remember was on my radio, or my radio, I was listening to a podcast. Mm -hmm. And on the podcast, the last words before I got smashed was, you need to pay attention to God's nudges. <laughs> oh, and I got rear-ended at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. And I just remember that everything just stopped right then. And it was the craziest thing. And I'm like, I could have been tapped this time. Yes. I didn't need this, yeah. but I'm yeah, listening. A little easier next time. But yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, sometimes we need those sort of like nudges or shoves or downright slaps in the face to kind of like wake up and say, oh, like I've needed resets in my life for sure. Sure. I think I have this like this. I'm a very high integrity person and I, I try to always live by high integrity and compassion and kind of the general social worker skill sets sure. there. Um, 
But like sometimes you need an awakening. You know, sometimes you need someone to shove you and be like, hey, hey dummy, you're not paying attention right now to the things that are really, really important. That's right. And the more I pay attention to the things that are really important, like my relationships with my family and my friends and seeing if there are things that I can do for someone other than myself, you know, being less self-focused. It's like every time I focus more on those things, my, my life is just enhanced even more. Oh, I get it. It's, it's getting out of your head. If you can get out of your head and you can get into, get into your heart and if you can serve other people, um, and that's how we stay connected. That's how we stay present. It's how our troubles often fade away yeah. when we're focusing on others. I just think about Steve Jobs too. You know, when he was going through cancer and he was dying and he was all alone, like, wow, this man who like, he totally set the world on fire. He, he made these just amazing um, things happen that have changed all of our lives. But he did it without having any like real relationships. And there he is. He had tons of money, right? But he's mm -hmm. all alone at the end. I'm like, well, I'd, I'd like to have money. I don't want to be poor again. I thought that was really pretty unfun when I was poor. But um, money isn't everything and at the end of the day when you're dying, are you really like, God, I wish I had another grand or That's another right. million or whatever it might be. Or are you like, gosh, I just would really like some more time with my kids. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in reflection these days at this point in my life thinking about, this is going to sound terrible, but thinking about my death, mm -hmm. thinking about what my funeral looks like, who's going to be there and living my life now in a way that hopefully there's a few people there, Yeah, you know, and I want it to be a celebration and I want it to be that I made a difference and made an impact and not that it didn't matter, you know, not that it was just about the money, that yeah. I was just stockpiling money in the bank and hiding in my vault. That's, <laughs> right. not what, that's not what I want. Well, the more you give, the more you do get. And my, uh, my business coach and I have talked a lot about that, that the universe will just continue to fill your vessel the more you're giving out, the more you're opening up opportunity to grow. Yeah, so. I love that. So what's what role has coaching played in, in your career, in your business? Have you always had a coach or is that a recent thing? No, it's more recent. A couple of years ago, um, Andy and I are business partners and he said, you know, we really need a coach because we're really great at these things, but there, you know, there's some steps along the way that we could use some improvement. Um, Apparently, I have really good self-confidence because I was like, mm, I don't really know if I need a coach, but we'll see. So we had a coach, and he was really just a business coach, and I didn't enjoy the coaching experience. I would find that, like, uh, he, right before the call, I would do, like, three minutes of prep work prior to the call, so I looked like I had done something, mm -hmm. and I put no energy in it at all, and then our I think we had a year or two contract and that came up and I was like, I'm not going to have a coach for a while. And then um, a hairdresser who owns uh, her salon recommended this guy and she said he's not your average ordinary coach. And so this was about two years ago. I gave him a shot and it has been the most transformative experience. It's helped me both mostly personally which then hopefully has helped me professionally. But oh yeah, they're tied grow. together. Yeah, it's helped me in my own my relationship with my boyfriend. We have been able, you know, like the best relationships are ones where you are really vulnerable and raw. Um, and it's helped me. I've always been pretty guarded as far as like, oh, I'm fine. How are you today? I'm fine. Mm -hmm. How are you? I'm great. You yeah. know, you never want to say like, you know, I'm 
tired or I just had a long day or this has been a very trying week. But over the past two years, I've really learned how to just be a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. And it's helped me grow. It's helped my relationships get deeper. Honestly, it's been the most fun. Well, I'm, I'm definitely no life coach or therapist by any means, but I can probably see some some connections between it's probably a bit difficult you coming up in the mortgage industry at the age you came up in probably surrounded by a lot of males men I'm guessing but also raising three kids along the way you probably didn't want to say you were tired and you and and you were struggling if you were struggling you couldn't yeah you couldn't probably couldn't in that world so still to this day uh, I have a division, so I'm a division president, and at my company, in my I'm the only female in my seat. Interesting. And I have been the only woman that has owned a division the entire time I've owned a division. So, we Andy and I started our first company in 2003, and since then I have been the only woman in my particular seat, which is kind of bonkers really it is bonkers. and i think it'll change but i hope that, it'll change yeah that has been one thing and you know you're in a man's world so you're supposed to be a little bit like tough and you you're not emotional because heaven forbid you be a woman who has emotion you know and if you are then you're a bitch yeah right if you if you hold people accountable then you're not just a boss holding someone accountable you've become a bitch at this point but over the last couple of years i've like i don't really like being that way anymore i'm just gonna really be uh, I am an emotional person. Good. I am going to cry. I cry like oddly often. I cannot watch like a Hallmark commercial without sobbing. So me too. Oh my gosh. Me too. We I'm don't need same. to watch TV together. We'll my, be like basket cases. When I when I watch any television movie, whatever it is, with my wife, we'll both be staring straight ahead, watching whatever it is, and without her even turning to look at me, she goes, "You're crying, aren't you?" And I'm <laughs> Jeff like, does that. I'm like, "No, you're crying." <laughs> I'm just using the sheet for a second because be okay. I wanted to touch it to my eye. That's why. <laughs> that's it's so soft. Yes, yes. But that's it. That's me. I get it. I yeah. don't. I don't necessarily uh, participate in the modern masculinity. I don't know if it's modern or the traditional masculinity mm-hmm. approach either. I'm. I'm much more sensitive. I'm much more vulnerable. I'm much more. Um, I probably on the masculine feminine uh, pendulum spectrum here. I probably. Swing back and forth a good bit. I'm not all the way over to one side or either side. And so I, I hopefully through conversations like this, hopefully through this podcast, hopefully through just the impact I hope to make in the in the business world that mm-hmm. we can help more men open up, be more vulnerable, not have to be so toxic. <laughs> you know, vulnerability is not a bad thing. It no, it's feels- a good thing. When you've never really been a vulnerable person, like I said, I've been on my own since I was a senior in high school. So yes. you have to really like, I got this. Yep. I'm fine. I can handle it all. Like, but really to to have like a true relationship with someone, you really have to be vulnerable. Otherwise, everything is a surface. It's a surface relationship. Yeah. I think it's the bravest thing. Like you, no doubt, you have to be strong. And you know, you're you're on your own since you're 17 years old. You're going to make it work no matter what. And maybe there's times that you can show vulnerability and maybe there's times you, it's not the ideal time, but in the long run, I think showing vulnerability is the bravest thing we can do. Often we don't. It is, but you know, I think I was 43 when I learned that lesson. I'm, I'm 40, 44 right I'm now. I'm 45. So. I just got this in this moment. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with right, you. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just, it just hit me. <laughs> I didn't have that all the way along. Um, okay, great. So I kind of want to 
Well, number one, I don't want to wrap this up. I could sit here and talk for a long time, but I think we probably Thanks. should wrap it up. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I want to ask you a couple final questions if I can. Sure. Um, as far as your business goes, what's what's the next five years look like for you and your business or 10 years or 50 years? I want to know what the next 50 years in your life looks like. Wow. I hope to not be working for the full 50 years, uh, but I probably would always be doing something. Uh, my partner and I, we got two new partners and we have created this super, super cool entity called Dash Home Loans. Okay. And it is the new way of lending. We're really disruptors, but in a positive way. What makes you different? Um, well, first of all, we don't have a traditional loan officer. So the sort of normal way of lending is you have one loan officer and they go out and get the business and they're really paid a, a high premium for doing that. And then the client talks to them and then the client talks to their assistant and then the client talks to their processor. And at the end of the process, no matter how good you've communicated, the client feels like they have been pulled in 12 different directions and they feel like it is a cumbersome, awful process. Dash is going to alleviate all that because we have one person and it's one point of contact throughout the entire process. So that person knows everything that's going on. The customer has direct communication with that person so they don't feel like they're hearing things from multiple parties. So we've got this crazy efficient process right now we're having so much fun with it. And we're trying to let people know that we're not just looking at, you have to have perfect credit. You don't have, we don't, you don't have to have perfect credit. You don't have to have 20% down. We want to be the company that helps solve home ownership for everybody equally. I was getting really frustrated in the business because the business was all about catering to only high net worth, high credit people. And we're supposed to be helping everybody and that help can come in forms of helping them get into a house today. It could help them in forms of, you know, this is what you need to get your credit in line to have a better future in the two years from now. So Dash is this platform that is going to help us do that and do it in an efficient manner and really do it at a rate that is uh, reduced. It's a sharper price. That's exciting. Oh, it's so much fun. We've had the most fun putting it together. We've had the most fun getting the word out. And what's neat is we really rolled it out officially in November. And January is kind of usually a quiet time of year for us. Uh, in my business, we usually use it for planning or uh, introspection. This year, like this Dash rollout, our business is just growing, growing, growing. And I spoke with someone yesterday, because I do still have some client interaction, and he he gave us the best compliment. He was like, you know, I just never thought I'd be in the position to buy, and I was so nervous that uh, I wouldn't be, and you've just given me this pathway, and I am amazed that I'm gonna own a home. And like, what a fun, yeah. what a fun like conversation. Like, someone, someone's life just changed. Like, maybe now this person will have some sort of family wealth. Maybe they, when they retire, they won't have to worry about money. They won't have a mortgage to have to pay. Maybe when they die, they'll have something that they can give their kid. And I somehow was part of that. Like, that is really cool. I love that. What it's a, so fun. What a great attitude. I love that. Okay, um, before I ask you our final question, yes. where can people find you and connect with you? Where can they learn more about Dash or learn more about what home ownership might look like for them, or just if they have some questions. 
So I'll give my cell. Is that okay? Whatever, is it okay what, to give a Whatever's cell? okay with you. Uh, my cell is 919-412-5301. Anyone's welcome to call. Um, my email is tinak at dashhomeloans.com. And anyone can just reach out to me. I'm happy to answer any questions, even if it's not a question that um, pertains to mortgage and it's just a question on like, how can I get my credit better? Okay, perfect. Love it. So for my final question, um, the podcast is called Build It Better and it's a focus on building better lives, building better businesses, personal, professional development. I'm very intrigued by what makes people achieve more, what makes people strive for more. I've often said that a tree will grow as tall as it can, but humans often don't live up to their fullest potential. And so at this stage in my life, I'm really focused on just talking with people that inspire me because I believe that they're building it better. To you, what does, what does uh, building it better mean to you? What does, what are you working on in your life to, to, for improvement? Mm -hmm. I'm starting to meditate mm. and I hope that that meditation gives me more clarity and I hope that clarity makes me have just a continuation of really honest relationships, conversations. I just want to be true to myself. I want to be true to others. Um, we're in a world that is so fake right now you know, people post their pictures on Instagram and it looks like they just got out of bed and that was their 1000th photo. You know, I don't want to participate in that. I just want to be really authentic. And that's, that's really my focus personally is the more authentic I am, the better my relationships will be and the better everything will grow. And in that same breath to be humble because I have been blessed with a lot of things. I've worked hard for them, but I, I have been very blessed. And I don't ever want to be that person that doesn't recognize all of those blessings. So it's kind of a combo of those two things. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you being open and authentic and vulnerable here with me. And I would love to have another conversation with you sometime if you're up for it. Oh, yes. This is fun. Great. Well, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Chuck. Okay. See you soon. Every time I record a podcast, I seriously cannot believe that I get to do this. I mean, one day not too long ago, I thought this would be a fun thing to do and I could learn a few things and maybe gain a little inspiration to help myself work through a rough spot in life while hopefully providing some value to others in a similar situation. And wow, I mean, just wow. This has become so much more than that. And I'm so grateful for conversations like this one where I just sit back and take it all in. Seriously, how lucky am I? Or better yet, how lucky are we? Because you get to be a part of this as well. I would love to hear your takeaways if you're willing to share them on social. And if you're up for it, tag me and the Build It Better podcast in your post. But for now, here are some of mine. Takeaway number one. Don't do anything just for the dollar dollar bills, y'all. If you're doing something just for the money you will make, you've already lost. Focus on the service, and it's funny how it works out. The more you give, the more you will get. Takeaway number two. Hard work will overcome talent or natural ability in most situations, so if there is something you really want, it matters less what you were born with or what was given to you, and it matters most is how hard are you willing to work for it. Takeaway number three. Sometimes we need a little nudge. 
a tap or even a shove from God, the universe, our creator, or whatever you want to call it, to wake us up to what matters most. But the catch is, these nudges only work if you're paying attention and if you're willing to see them because they're everywhere. So are you willing to see them? There were so many learning moments in that chat and so much to take away from it, but those were a few that really stuck with me. And I'm not your teacher or your coach or your boss, but I believe that action is the key to growth. Action is the difference maker and what leads to execution and reaching or achieving what we truly want to achieve. That's the difference maker. I've been stuck before in a cycle of learning to learn and not applying what I actually learned. And guess what I got? I got smarter for sure, but did I get any closer to my goal? I don't think so. Jim Rohn said, don't let your learning lead to knowledge. Let your learning lead to action. So to help you in your action and to apply all this good learning, y'all, I want to suggest one action step for you. Now, you may have three or four from this conversation, but here's one that hit me hard, and I'd like to see how many of us can do this one. The action step is this. Where can you pay more attention to the people all around you? How can you pick up your head and not just go through the day-to-day, but really be present in every moment and really notice those around you? Maybe you can take it a little further if you're ready. Can you consciously give one kind compliment to a stranger a day? How about today? A random compliment to a total stranger, letting them know that they've been seen, it can change the course of their entire day. Maybe their week, and who knows, maybe their whole life. So my question to you, or rather my request of you, is this. Will you give one random, honest, and sincere compliment to a stranger today that shows they've been seen? And no pressure, but don't be creepy when you do it. (laughs) And until next time, let's commit to getting just a little bit better and getting into action. And I would love to know who's doing this and who we are impacting. So please post your progress, your action steps, and how you are building it better on Instagram or Facebook and tag me at Chuck Belden and use the hashtag build a better podcast. Now this episode was freaking awesome. I can't wait to bring you the next one. I've got some fantastic guests lined up and to give you just a little sneak peek, our next guest, Doug is going to dive even deeper into this current theme of what we've uh, been talking about, focusing on the hard work and uh, what that looks like and really open up about the importance of coaching his unique parenting philosophy, and so much more. You're going to love it. But for now, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do, and I would love to hear what you think um, by asking you to rate it and review the episodes. My goal is to deliver crazy amounts of value, and your feedback will help me in my mission. So until next time, I'll see you soon.